All right. Good morning. Those of you that have joined us for the inspecting stucco during home inspection class. Uh, I have Jeff Adams with me today to be presenting this to you. So everyone's been invited to this and we've got uh, about 250 people registered for the class. And for all InterNACHI members, including those track inspectors, uh, I'm asking that you uh, go into your InterNACHI dashboard and you can manually add the two hours of CEs. So you get the CEs both for track, if you're a track inspector, and then for track inspectors and InterNACHI inspectors, you will receive the two hours for your InterNACHI credit. Anyway, without further delay, I'm going to turn over my good friend, Jeff Adams out of San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Jeff has done a lot of stucco inspections and uh, litigation on stucco issues with builders and on homes and represent a lot of homeowners on these things. So I know this without a doubt, this is going to be an excellent class. So I will turn it over to Jeff. Jeff, good morning. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate that. Um, I want to kind of kick this off a little bit and, and make sure that we described a straight up front that when uh, you're dealing with the uh, with stucco and the ASTM standards and so forth, it does not change regionally. Um, sometimes I hear people say, well, we do it differently here, we do it differently there. The ASTM standards um, are a blanket for all across the country. It doesn't matter. Um, there's no changes if um, you are um, in Minnesota or in in Texas, okay, it does not change as to uh, the guidelines for stucco. So always remember that. So as I'm talking about these ASTM standards and so forth, it doesn't matter where you're at in the country, it's still gonna be the same standards without any uh, real deviation off of it. Um, you can kind of see with the opening slide here, um, we're gonna discuss um, a lot of these standards. Uh, we will discuss a little bit on, on how I choose to report it. Um, and so forth. Here lately, there's been several people posting about doing destructive testing on stucco. I would never recommend doing any type of destructive testing uh, as a home inspection. Um, the only destructive testing I ever do is for litigation, and I bring in someone else to make the cuts. I'm not getting out there cutting stucco, peeling it back. I'm there to observe it and, and so forth. I would never recommend that you start drilling holes or cutting out stucco as any part of a home inspection. That's only strictly for, for litigation type of aspects, okay? so. Please remember that don't start drilling holes through people's stucco moisture barriers for these relocation companies or anything else. You're just asking for creating problems and damage and, and what have you. Um, so we're, with that said, we're gonna kind of get started here on everything. Well, I say that, there we go. Um, there's four types of, of main stucco that you mainly see. And we're really just going to talk about the hard coat or a uh, uh, modified uh, stucco, not too much with EFs. It, it runs across the board. Um, for all my uh, Houston people, this is not including what I like to call the LP crap, which is uh, recycled paper with a uh, top coat of stucco finish over um, some type of uh, of tape such as a zip or what have you. They've had a lot of problems with this. They're back to buying their trim from James Hardy again. Keep that in mind. If it was such a great product, they would be using their own trim and not James Hardy's trim. Um, we can talk about that and I can answer any questions because you're seeing it a lot, but that's not really um, what's gonna be included in these slides. We're gonna be sticking mostly with the, the hard coat stucco and a modified stucco. A um, lot of different variations, but you might see a, uh, 
um, a modified stucco as a, a, a single coat then with a polymer top coat and, and what have you. And there's a lot of different ways of doing it. Not all of them are um, meet the criteria of the code or the, uh, um, the standards for ASTM, okay? The, the stucco as a home inspector truly is a liability the way most people do home inspections. But if you learn how to look at stucco, and I know some people that don't even want to do stucco houses and they shy away from them, and, that, and that's fine too. If your business allows for that, um, not a problem. But when you really learn what to look for and the standards, um, stucco is not as big of a liability as it is when you don't know what you're looking at. Um, there's some pictures I'm going to show you all here in a little bit. That's an actual litigation case. So we cut it open. No home inspector would have um, really known what to look for on that and would have been bit. The lady cleaned it up every time she, her room was across the house, but every time it rained, she said she could hear the water droplets coming through around one of the windows and so she stayed up all night cleaning it there was absolutely no water stains and no swollen wood um, I knew it was a problem when I got to the outside most home inspectors would not have noticed that I've seen too many reports with photos um, where the home inspector actually did not catch the the staining on the outside that was an indication that that wall would have been rotted out um, so once you learn what to look for it's really not that difficult and it's very easy to do an inspection and report on it with that said, we're, we're going to be, the things to look for, we're going to jump into, um, obviously, is a, a drainage system. And that's a lot of different things from your uh, your flashings, your uh, your soffit or your, your boxed uh, details, your weep screed, which I refer to as a flashing because it does, re, it does call it uh, to have a three and a half inch flashing detail. So that's always important. Important and that's how instead of just leaving it as a weep screen when I report on it, I call it a weep screen flashing. Um, and then, uh, unlike uh, some other products, stucco has to have some type of flashing above doors and windows. Um, it specifies non corrosive, so that's typically going to be a metal flashing, but they do make some plastic. Um, PVC flashing details that you can buy also, but it is required and you don't want to confuse that with it, the uh, AMA 2400 standards. So you flash your windows per AMA 2400 or you may pan flash your doors per ASTM standards for doors, but what we're talking about is flashing stucco and we'll we'll talk about that. It is required to have a flashing detail, no if, buts, and ands about it for the stucco. Uh, means to expand and, and um, contract. Um, I use it as a generic term, um, expansion joints, but there is a couple of different details with that. One's a control joint, one's an expansion joint. I use a generic term because both of them do the same thing. One works better for expansion and contraction, but both of them still uh, expand and contract. Bond breaks at dissimilar materials, those are always missing. And then proper sealants, um, you know, uh, one shot caulk is not a proper sealant to be used on anything it you know it's I tell people if it says it's got a 30-year warranty that means it's good for 30 days and that's about it um, it needs to have good uh, sealants and you also have to be very careful I, I'm real careful not to prescribe sealants and uh, um, that 
could cause problems to the windows. So it always has to go back to the window manufacturer. Outside of that, I, I like a good urethane, like an NP1 type of product or what have you. Um, there's some good butyl rubber sealants, but you do have to make sure that they comply with the window company. So before you tell someone to go out there with some type of hot sealant and caulk around the, the windows, um, be very careful with that because some of those sealants will damage these final windows. Uh, elastomeric paints, they do not re place construction requirements. Um, I can't tell you, it's probably every week, every other week I hear somebody claiming, whether it's a home inspector or an engineer or something, to paint over bad stucco. Um, those elastomeric paints do not have any type of perm rating. Um, I've gone to numerous houses, big water balloons sticking out of there. You can just poke it with a pocket knife and the water comes pouring out of the wall. The paints may be dry in the wall, but the paint's all stretched. You can see where it's had water in it. Um, I've done houses where the people were convinced to paint one wall of the house of the last American. You talk about rotting it out. Um, it just creates all kinds of problems. Um, I am not a fan of elastomeric. Uh, I would rather have like a polymer type of, uh, of top coat, whether it's Drive It or some name brand product. It will help resist water, but it also uh, breathes and has a perm rating. Elastomeric paint just causes a ton of problems. Uh, and I just, I really don't want it used on anything. Anytime I write repair specifications, which I do write, I have some engineering firms that pay me to write their repair specifications. It never includes elastomeric paint whatsoever. Um, here's some of the standards and um, it's a good place. Take a snapshot of it. These are your, a lot of your standards for hard coat, uh, hard coat stucco. Um, and they, they're always changing a little bit. So if there's a, uh, a slight change, remember that. I try to keep up with it, but they're constantly changing paragraph numbers and, and so forth. So uh, in the IRC, you can see your, your flashy details. Um, also the uh, 703.7, your exterior plaster. Uh, you can go on down the line to the lath. Again, we have some additional plaster um, uh, documents in the uh, IRC. Your weep screed in which it spells out a three and a half inch flashing detail your water resistant barriers, um, the application of stucco and the curing. The curing is another real problem. These guys do not allow the stucco to cure properly. They just start plastering it on one coat after another. Uh, it creates a lot of problems. I've got a house now that um, it's taken forever to figure out what went wrong. This, this particular builder uses elastomeric paint. All the paint is messed up, um, got Sherwin-Williams involved. And finally, what it boiled down to is the uh, stucco was not cured before the elastomeric paint went on. And it's caused all kinds of, of uh, issues with the, uh, the paint and, and blotching and um, the paint's literally changing colors. And it's because the, uh, the stucco was not cured. Uh, another house that we are tearing apart. Um, and then we get into the ASTM standards. It's critical. The ASTM, uh, when you get into section 703 of the code, for the, the stucco, it will tell you specifically that it also must comply with the uh, ASTM C926 and ASTM C1063. And uh, that is critical. That's where all your real specifics are at. If you don't own a copy of it, buy it. Um, I can tell you it changes about every quarter. And once you buy it one time, they will email you couple of times a year to buy a new chapter all the time. Uh, unless it's a significant change as I do not buy them three, four times a year. They also have a program. Um, I did it with Jim and 
some others where you can, for $10 more, you can buy it in triplicate. So get together with a few people and buy some of these standards in triplicate. Um, it's about $75, $80 a chapter in triplicate. And if you split that three ways, it's it's not too expensive to start acquiring some of these ASTM standards that you need for this stuff. Um, again, the reason this is, is important, everyone always says, well, we're not doing a code inspection. Well, I got news for you. That's exactly what you're doing. When a seller wants to go to track or a seller wants to file suit on you, which is happening right now to an inspector that might even be in this room. Um, when that happens, you need something to hang your hat on. Not that Jeff Adams just said it was wrong. Jeff Adams is a nobody. Um, I always tell people when they call me yelling and screaming sellers or, or Trek or anybody else that I said something. I said, I never said that. I didn't tell you that at all. The ASTM standards told you that or the IRC told you that. I didn't. Jeff Adams didn't tell you anything other than point you in the direction of where that information is at. I'm just a parrot. I just squawk back what I learned. Um, it goes in a little bit in, in, with the flashing. I think they've changed this chapter number again. I have to look and see, um, but it's going to get you right there. Uh, and it goes into the uh, approved corrosion resistant flashings and so forth. Um, this is quite interesting that the, uh, the number two under that is that uh, if you notice, is it intersections of chimneys or other masonry construction with frame or stucco walls? So Again, when they say, oh, the IRC does not say you have to flash that stuff. Yeah, it really does. Um, especially when you start getting into these um, where they're doing a, a half wall of some type of masonry veneer and then stucco up above, the, nobody is flashing those. And that's kind of covered not only in the IRC, but it's also covered in the ASTM requiring that. The ASTM goes into a lot more detail. Um, the exterior plaster, the uh, installation of exterior plaster shall be in compliance. This is where it's telling you ASTM C926, ASTM uh, C1063. There used to be another one in there that they moved it out of there. It's still in the code, but it's in a different section. I want to say it was ASTM C923 or something like that. Um, that one, you don't really need to worry about. That one gets into the uh, galvanizing or the zinc um, coatings of your trim accessories. That's something you would never know if it was done properly. Um, that all has to be tested at a lab. So um, they, I think that's kind of why they removed it out of uh, section 703.7 .7 of the code now. We're gonna kind of go through some of this um, fairly rapidly and then I'll answer some questions. And then we also have a ton of slides. Um, you will still see this um, and you can use chicken wire, but most all chicken wire you're gonna see today um, will not comply with the standards because it's not thick enough. There, there's going to be some pictures coming up where they use chicken wire. Um, I, the guy had me go out to Alpine, Texas, take a look at this and from 100 yards away. I told him, I said, you can't save this. I don't condone breaking the law, but the only thing that's going to fix this house is gasoline in a match. You can't save it. Um, they actually did a story on it with the uh, Dallas Morning News or one of the papers up there because it, it was just so bad. Three-year-old house and was done with chicken wire the plaster would just literally falling off. Um, but you can still use a certain type of chicken wire, um, but it it's very difficult that you're gonna find the right chicken wire that's gonna comply with the ASTM standards. Um, plaster shall be not less than three coats uh, were applied over metal or wire. Um, you can use two coats when it's over um, certain aspects. So there is a little bit of caveat. There is a product out there called a Western One Coat uh, it's a manufactured product, um, and I know manufacturers can supersede the code, but there's really nothing about that that 
really meets the code. So I ride it up. There's a few builders um, in the San Antonio New Braunfels area that that use it. Um, it there is some issues with it is that it just doesn't comply. It's a one coat product. And then they just put uh, some type of uh, top dressing over the top of it, whether it's elastomeric or if they use a, uh, a drive it uh, top coat polymer top coat, then theoretically you're getting that two coats and it may comply in that aspect. So you have to kind of watch that, but uh, it's a company that we're out of El Paso and you can find that out there on job sites from time to time. Um, it's one of the things that's also very important to remember is, you know, our biggest part of our problem is our workforce has learned how to put these products on over um, Adobe or over Cinderblock. And of course, I, ideally, none of that really meets the code um, it, the way it's written or the ASTM standards, but it's a totally different substrate and works just fine. Where we end up with a problem is when we put all this stuff over uh, insulated walls with wood framing and what have you, we just it just creates a gigantic sponge that holds that water in there. And it's got to be able to drain. No matter what we put on, a house got to drain. But stucco just tends to hold that moisture uh, horribly. The uh, the weep screed, weep screed, the head flashing, and so forth are, are probably the biggest things. I, I I see inspection reports all the time, or I get calls where people are saying, "Oh man, there's a lot of cracks in this house." Right? Okay, it's gonna crack. I mean, ideally we don't want it to crack everywhere, but it's gonna crack. The biggest issue is no matter what, even if we put all of the right expansion joints, a true two-piece expansion joint, everywhere that we should, we're still gonna get some cracking in the concrete. It's going to. The biggest issue is we've got to get the water out of out of the wall. It's got to drain down to the uh, weather resistive barrier um, and be able to kick out of that uh, weep screed. Um, another big issue is quite often they'll bring the stucco all the way down to the roof. We have a capillary action. Again, we've got to maintain our distances off of hardscapes and so forth. And, um, it, you know, the weep screed is one of the single biggest items that needs to be done right to kick that water out of the wall. A casing bead is not a weep screed. Those holes that are in a casing bead is not to let water out. The holes in a weep screed are really not to let the water out. That's to create a stalactite and lock it in. That 45 degree angle is a drip edge, just like on your roof, and that's where the water comes out from. Um, whenever you do a stucco inspection, you're going to find that, um, especially if they use elastomeric, they covered that edge of the weep screed with their paint and they've sealed that drip edge uh, off. And just about every house needs to take a razor knife and go all the way around the bottom just to break that loose. Same thing with the uh, the window flashings. They will seal those window flashings um, with their um, their top coat or their elastomeric paint. You got to take a knife and cut that loose because otherwise you're going to trap water behind those uh, those head flashings. You're going to want to try to trap it behind the weep screed. Another big issue with the weep screed that you see is these guys will shoot it with a staple gun. I can get by with staples, but not below the holes. That's pre-punched and those holes are to be nailed into the toe plate to give you that two inch overhang um, over the foundation to help water from being wind-driven rain from forcing it up underneath that weep screed and what have you. So it's it's very important and you're going to see that um, even though a house has weep screeds, you're going to see why they leak all the time because they never put them on right. They shoot them down in the bottom 
with a staple gun, add a bunch of holes. They don't put them behind the moisture barrier properly. And then they don't overhang. You can stick your fingers underneath there and there's only a half inch overhang. So when you get a hard wind driven rain, it's forcing the water under the weave screed in between the foundation and the, uh, the toe plate. And so it's always important to have a mirror. I lay on the ground, look up underneath there, hang my phone underneath there, find some place to look at that and make sure that weave screed's on properly. And you're gonna see what I'm talking about here in a little bit. Um, the water resistant barrier, um, you know, this stucco is the, uh, the only product that does require two moisture barriers. Um, again, vapor permeable. There's a reason why the two barriers, one's to help prevent the stucco from sticking and um, trying to create a better drainage plane. Um, doesn't necessarily work because they don't always put it on properly. So typically what you're going to see is either a zip panel or a... Um, uh, Tyvek um, that goes on there and then a uh, black lath paper. I mean, that tends to be normally what they uh, do with that, but you can use two layers of, of uh, felt paper. There are other ways to do it, but typically around here, and, I, and I've gone everywhere from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, uh, over in the Houston area, all the way out over by El Paso. So I've been out all across the state of Texas and other states, and, and that's typically how they're going to do that. Um, it, with, those are the two main products. There is a huge difference between um, these, these moisture barriers. When you start looking at house wrap and you see all the bad information about house wrap, it's all almost true with the exception of Tyvek. Tyvek is a different animal. A lot of these other products are just like a woven feed sack and you can see where the success of some of those products are gonna be very, very minimal. The uh, application, each coat shall be kept in a moist condition for at least 48 hours. I guarantee you've never seen anybody out there with a garden hose misting that down for 48 hours, keeping it in a moist application. Um, I've never seen it and I've done thousands of inspections. Um, maybe some of y'all have, but it's typically not done. No one's going out there with a garden hose and misting the house to keep it in a moist uh, condition. Again, more reasons why you're seeing so much cracking and different things like that. If you retard that, especially during the summer, and retard that uh, drying process, you're going to get a lot less cracking. Uh, curing the finished coat uh, for two coat cement plaster shall not be applied sooner than seven days after the application coat. For three coat, you can see all that. There is a waiting time period. They are typically not doing that. Um, they usually roll up and go do one coat one day and they're back out there the next day coming along with guys coming back behind them doing the next coat and so forth. And a lot of times they can have everything done from start to finish, including the uh, um, the elastomeric paint they want on there in a, a week or less. And you can see that that's not going to comply and it creates issues, traps moisture in the walls and so forth. This is where it starts getting into the good information. The ASTM standards, um, the, um, there's a lot to this. And this is one of the most critical things. And I use this all the time in court, but it, it's section uh, A2.1.2. Um, that requires the, the flashings, but not only that, it requires a contract. Okay, there has to be a, a specifier, an engineer, architect. I, I write specifications. It doesn't say who, has to do it. Um, so I do specifically write them, um, but there's got to be a contract in there it, with these sections. And it, it goes into detail in a couple of areas. Um, and you can see that nobody has a specifier. It is really, really um, unusual. I've got one builder now that 
I've gone to court against a few times that now has hired me and I've helped write some of their specifications and they're making a lot of changes. And, and so I got to appreciate a, a company that realizes, hey, we're doing something wrong. We're going to make changes. So I really like this company and I actually refer them uh, as, a, as a builder because they will come make the repairs. If you notice, aluminum is not allowed to be used. Um, they do make, like I said, a vinyl or a plastic head flashing that can be used. Uh, ideally, the best thing is just traditional metal head flashings. Okay. Um, it, notice the next uh, paragraph down is X1.1.6, and, and this is listed in a couple areas, but again, um, there's to be contract drawings, and there should be a, um, a contract in place, okay? And by that, there's specifications written, and those specifications um, then go to the, the builder and the stucco guy, and they sign a contract, and this is how this is to be put on. That never, ever happens. Um, that is always my good trump card that I always use, so to speak. Get it, trump card. Um, I use that so that when they want to argue with me and say, oh, no, no, we do it this way, or, you know, we have a different system. I said, hey, not a problem. Just give me your, um, your stucco contract and let me review it. And 100% of the time, and I'm sitting on an email right now that I got to respond to that came in late last night um, where the builder wants to argue. But then when you tell them, hey, send over your stucco contract, they go, do what? You go, your stucco contract. You're required to have a stucco contract. Where's your contract? Um, so that's always a good one when, when the, they do want to argue. Um, this is the only material out there. When you go to the code, there's nothing else that says that you have to have a contract in place. You want to put up James Hardy, put up James Hardy. They got a manual for it. But when it comes to stucco, it is required to have written specifications with a contract and drawings, as you can see, on how this stuff's supposed to be installed with the expansion joints, flashings, uh, and what have you. Okay. A lot of that, and you'll hear this, is, is when you start looking at flashings, expansion joints, control joints, whatever, weep screens, they refer to them, and you'll see this is stucco trim accessories. I don't know that I like that word. Accessory makes it sound like it may not be required um, when it is, but it that's something you see. So when you see stucco trim accessories, that's what it's referring to is all of those things. Um, the ASTM standards do not specifically say that you have to have a uh, expansion joint at every penetration. It talks about it, but it doesn't say at every penetration, but there is also a technical bulletin. I did not include it with this, but there's a, a technical bulletin that basically says that the engineered bulletin says any penetration. So that can be doors, windows, gable vents, what have you. Um, under the ASTM C926, um, it goes into detail of the lath, the furring to receive the interior and exterior Portland uh, cement plaster. 7.3.4 separation shall be provided with plaster abuts to similar construction materials. So just about every single person, that, that would be your bond breaks, control joints, what have you. Um, just about every single uh, person installing stucco, which is about the stucco directly up to the windows, the door frames, it should have a, um, a bond break in there with a, um, a casing bead that leaves a gap um, that you put a backer rod in and seal. And that helps further allow expansion and contraction of dissimilar materials. It creates, you'll hear this wording sometimes, an embedded caulk joint. I use that wording specifically in my report, the embedded caulk joint. Um, you cannot just take and butter um, concrete stucco up to a vinyl or aluminum window. It just does not work. Uh, bad idea. It needs to have that 
bond break again at any dissimilar material. So, um, you know, that would in, include your garage door, wood frames, what have you, that all should have those casing beads creating a bond break. I stole these just because it's a it's a name brand system that's out there uh, that I've talked with. They have great drawings, so I've kind of uh, taken their uh, their photos for use, which they don't have a problem with because they get uh, gets promoted. Um, but they've got some good details showing you. This one specifically has a drainage mat in their uh, rain screen. There's different comments. There's talk that that may become required in the code to have a uh, uh, drainage mat installed in the stucco. Um, this is their specific um, product and detail of how this, this product is to be installed and, and um, it breaks it down and gives you a really good detail of it, breaking down your, your sheathing, your moisture barrier, drain mats, and different layers of stucco and what have you. Again, same thing, using this, but it, it's showing you your uh, um, your control joints, expansion joints, that type of stuff. Again, drain mats, uh, they're using the fiberglass uh, reinforcing uh, type of material on there to help control the, the cracking in the, the top surface. Uh, Synergy is the, the, the name of the company. Um, and they, uh, they have some really good details. So it's, it's, you can find them online. They're good details to use in inspection reports. Um, this here is breaking down, showing you a difference in between how uh, the other one, the previous was your um, control joint, which is a one piece kind of M shaped. This is a two piece and there's several different ways you can make a two piece uh, expansion joint. You're going to get a lot more thermal expansion and contraction by the two piece, obviously, than you will the one piece. Um, this is just showing you the difference in between the, uh, the two joints. Um, Again, showing you your, your bond break, um, showing you how they're creating it. You have your backer rod in there using your casing bead. Uh, that's allowing these products to move at different amounts between the dissimilar materials. And it's very important to have those to, uh, to help. Um, you can start to get some distortion with your vinyl windows from the, the stucco and, and so forth. So um, again and you won't find this anywhere i mean out of the thousands of homes i've yet to ever see a house done 100 percent properly that's not true why i i've got a builder that will hire me sometimes to go sit in the lawn chair and watch the stucco guys and yell at them when they do something wrong so that guy does a pretty good job but um the second i leave they go back to business as, as usual um but they they do a, a a pretty good job but pretty much everything you're going to see is going to be lacking so when we talked about stucco being a um, a liability um, it is and it isn't. If you just report all of these missing details, the, the missing weep screed, the missing bond breaks, the missing head flashings, um, all of that stuff, you really don't have any liability. Um, some guys will just write it in a paragraph and say it was missing all the stuff. I like to break it down and list missing bond breaks. No contract was, uh, uh, was on site for our review. Um, missing head flashings at, at doors and windows and so forth. And I, I put a bullet point and do each one. And, and when you do that, there's no, no liability in inspecting stucco when you list each and everything that, that is missing. Um, 
again, we're getting into uh, some of the, the flashing details and, and so forth on, on how to do this. It's very critical. There's, as you can see, they're leaving a, a gap in here, double flashed with a backer rod. It's critical that these materials do not get sealed along this edge, which always happens. Uh, no big deal, just need to take a pocket knife and just make a score cut in there, but need to get that cleaned out, whether it's a polymer top coat or whatever. And occasionally you'll find where a builder um, the painter caulks it shut, and that's just uh, uh, an issue. You got to peel that caulk out of there. But it, this particular one is showing you how they're doing a uh, uh, a double uh, flashing detail on here. Um, not a not a bad way to do it. And again, it's why I kind of plagiarize their their photos. Um, this one here is is showing you a um, how they're doing the the flashing down below at the window. Um, I don't know that I necessarily like this detail. The code requires that your sill flashings terminate between the layers of moisture barrier. It specifically spells that out. But then when you start looking at some of these products that are out there, their install tells you not to do that. I rather see the sill flashings underneath this window come over the top of our lath paper okay and keep that water on the surface as much as possible and not put it between the lath paper and say the tieback or what have you certain products that's exactly how it's going to work when you do zip um, the zip system it does there is no other way to do it um, unless you create some type of bib or apron underneath the window and there, there's a, a stucco installer that does do that adds a little extra bib of uh, moisture bear underneath the window assembly um, so that they can keep as much of that moisture up on top as, as humanly possible, okay? Um, this here is basically a color detail of how a decorative band is supposed to be done. Uh, under ASTM C926, it's going to show you this detail here. Um, so I, I, I like this. When they use the... Um, the casing beads and they nail them through the window flashing details and everything. You're just asking for leaks. Um, I have a court case right now where the architect uh, that's the expert on the other side, he uh, um, he wrote up that the, uh, the, the details were wrong and they're hundred percent right. They're done just like this. And my response was not only they I cut, we cut open the house, not only is it right, but they're also sloped. Well, he responded back and he said, well, that slope is only so birds do not land on the stucco. I had a very hard time responding to that. I, I basically just said that was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard of because we sloped the driveway and yet birds land on it. We sloped the sidewalks and birds land on it. And guess what? That roof is sloped to shed water and I'll be damned if birds don't land on that thing as well. Uh, that was basically my response back for the court, but that was the dumbest thing. But it is required to be sloped. The traditional casing beads that they put above and below uh, with a little half inch fur out, those are a horrible idea. They're just punching more holes through any flashing details, whether they're sill or head flashings. And you're just asking for more leaks. Plus they're never sloped because of the way those casing beads are. And they don't meet the criteria, the ASTM C926 standard, which this is, does specifically. Um, again, just some additional details of, of how you're going to in uh, uh, the, the framing. Um, here they're calling for a sealant up at the, the top um, where it terminates at the, uh, the soffit. Um, there is a casing bead in there. Again, uh, this particular one's not showing the backer rod, but 
um, you do want to maintain at least a quarter of an inch between those those casing beads and dissimilar materials. I've seen some um, engineers write it up as a uh, closer to a half inch, uh, which is fine again in sealum, and it, it just allows for that expansion and contraction. The quarter inch is about as small of a uh, uh, of a uh, gap that should be left in there minimum. Showing you the detail of the weave screed. Um, I don't, this weave screed detail is horrible. It's got some holes way down low, but if you notice they're bringing these moisture barriers all the way down to the bottom, this 45 degree angle that comes out and drip, this is your drip line. This is where the water will run out and drip off of, not through the holes. Not all of these have holes in there. Um, it, this is to create a drip edge specifically, okay? Their particular product is showing a minimum of a one inch um, overhang. Um, a lot of the other products that you're going to typically find that we use um, around here in Texas are going to give you somewhere between an inch and a half and two inch overhang when you put the nail holes into the, the toe plate like it's supposed to be. Okay. Um, again, this is a foundation weave screed that has a turn down. You do not have to use that. You can use just an angled weave screed as well, um, but you do have to make sure you have the overhang. One inch is a minimum that I want to see. You guys that are along in coastal areas, you really want a two inch overhang. One inch is not going to be enough in, in a coastal area. When you get a wind-driven rain, it is going to force water up and into here and cause damage. You get that two inch overhang and it's going to really struggle to try to push that water up that high. Uh, 140 mile an hour wind will damn sure do it, but that's the that's not the norm. Um, here is a, a different detail of the, the weep screen showing you the clearance to the earth and so forth. There's your nail holes um, showing you your moisture barrier. This detail came out back when it was only required to have one layer, so it does not show the second layer of uh, weather resistant barrier on here. It's showing the old single layer, but you can see where your nail line is going into the toe plate and what have you. Um, that picture's in here twice. We'll skip that. I don't know why that's in there. Um, some of your details, your flashing details and sealant. This here is always messed up with, with improper flashing details, okay? Um, they'll use the lick and stick tapes. They're all crinkled up. You can't stop the water with the way most of these trades are flashing these details. I like the uh, diaphragm boots that go on. There's like a, a stretch diaphragm that'll slide over this and you tape three sides of it. Um, you don't have to use that, but I try to get the builders to, to use them that I work with, but we've got to have all of this flash between our moisture barrier and our penetrations and then obviously sealed around our, uh, our penetrations as well. This is a uh, roof detail in a project worked on engineer had, had drawn this. If you notice there, he's using a foundation weep screed and that's fine. But uh, again, you will find that they don't, they bring the stucco down too low um, to the roof so that you, you don't have a, a proper capillary break where it's gonna wanna suck water up into there. Uh, again, we're looking for about two inches off the roof. Uh, anything with stucco is basically two inches. And, um, but most of the time they're using just a casing bead here, which does not have a three and a half inch flashing detail. It's just an improper termination. Anytime we have a termination, we need that three and a half inch flashing detail. Okay. You have your base flashing here for your roof and all of that. Um, but then we have this here and your holes are going to be up in the top here. So you're not damaging it. When they bring this weep screen, the few builders that do do it, they bring the thing all the way down to the ground. Guess what? We're putting holes in here. So why even have a, uh, I've got one builder uses a six inch flashing. Well, 
who cares if you use a six inch flashing, if you poke a hole in the bottom two inches, you're only getting credit for two inches of, of flashing. So it's important to maintain that two inches off of the, uh, um, the decking material. This is another way of doing it. Several of them are doing this. Um, this works just fine, but I'll be damned if half the time they don't caulk this. Um, I wish this had a little bit of a slope on it. This is built bent at a 90 degree. There's, I've got several builders do it. There's holes up at the top. This will allow the water to weep out of here and work just fine um, when they do this. Um, there is a, um, a little bit of an issue with this drawing, not really showing the moisture barrier coming down over the, oh yeah, it is, there's a vapor. Okay, there it is. So it is coming up over the top. Um, again, though, whenever they do this, I had one here recently that only had a two inch flange here. This has to have a three and a half inch flashing detail to meet the code criteria, okay? This here is in the code check and I love this. So this is your, your soffits. We don't use that much soffits. Where this really comes into play is box windows. Um, or a um, up on a porch, we have a, a, a wooden beam in here and they would just wrap this with stucco and it, I can't tell you how many of these wooden beams are rotted out because there's no drainage plane, it traps moisture in there. Um, I love this detail. I use this in every single report just about that I do um, with, that has stucco in it. Um, some of the builders I've gotten away from even putting stucco into the box windows, we just use a piece of fiber cement siding here. So this is stucco. You're not going to see the fiber cement siding gets painted. And again, we have a drainage plane to get this water out of here and get it to leak out. And I may have some pictures of some box windows that we've come back and redone in here. I can't remember if I've added that that, that failed on, on a house that's just a, uh, a year old. This detail here uh, from Fortifiber, I like this. So this contradicts what the code says. So this, this here is showing you how your sill flashings are going to terminate up underneath that, uh, um, that lath paper is gonna terminate up underneath those sill flashings, okay? So this contradicts the code. I wanna keep the water up on top of two layers of moisture barrier. I don't want it to go in between the moisture barrier unless I absolutely have to. The more water we can keep up on the surface of the stucco, the better off we are. The more water we can keep up on the top layer of the moisture barrier here, the better we are. The other way is the sill flashings are in there and then we just put the lath paper over the top. Any moisture gets in here, we're forcing it between the two layers of moisture barrier and just have a higher uh, chance of, of leakage. Here's a, a good detail of the um, uh, flashing. This, uh, I don't remember who drew this up. I, again, plagiarized this a long time ago, made some, some changes uh, to it. I forget, I took something out of here, but I forget what it was. But again, it's showing you a, a good detail of how your flashings are going to terminate up on top of here, okay? This one, they're drawing it with a casing bead and they're putting a backer rod in here and it's, it's really way over flashed, but again, um, it works very, very well to keep that water up on top here and prevent it from having to go all the way down here and finding these screw holes and everything else and getting in through there over time. So we're keeping that water up there. Um, Mark and I just worked on a project, um, Mark Eberwein and I, where we had the builder bring the flashings down here. You know, a lot of them, the builder says, oh, if I do that, it's going to look horrible because he doesn't want to do it. Um, so we said, hey, not a problem. We just pop this cap off. We bring the flashing down here, leave a weep hole. Now you don't see it. And any water comes down, it's going to come out through the weep holes up underneath your, uh, your ledger. So um, 
whenever they tell you that, say, hey, not a problem, just bring the flashing down here. And in that case, we didn't even use metal, we just used typical, the plastic reinforced brick flash that came down through here, uh, just made a, a, a curve and it just kicks the water right out of the wall. Um, a <clears throat> little bit of, of stuff, this is, uh, when I write a, a repair protocol, I like um, DuPont, uh, products. I like the commercial wrap um, or what they have is their stucco wrap. It's got a crinkled drainage plane in it. Um, I like their products. They, um, a lot of science has gone into them. The, the perm rating is, is really good on these things to prevent water from getting in. Um, the product themselves work well. The installers, not so much. Um, that's where we, we can have the greatest thing in the whole world, but it's still until we get smarter and more conscientious installers, it, it poses some problems. But I, I do like um, the, the Tyvek products um, for, for specs, but I also don't have a problem with Zip. I, you know, uh, I deal with Zip all the time. I like Zip um, as well. Um, but most of the things we're going to do already has a sheathing on it. We're not going to go back uh, and peel all the sheathing off. We're just going to replace the rotted areas. And then I'm going to go back in with, with, with Tyvek rather than reskinning the whole house. Um, giving you a little bit of, of detail on, on the, your, uh, your stucco or stone uh, on there. Uh, this is a, the Tyvek rain screen. They've got a, a Tyvek rain screen that's out there on the market. Again, creating drainage planes to get the water um, out of a wall. Several people uh, have it. Funny story here in San Antonio, we're way behind the times. I worked on the, uh, the Stinson Airport control tower. We had a stucco um, around that control tower, 140 foot in the air. And so just taking a pounding. Well, the engineer drew a, a, a drainage screen in there, uh, like a Brillo pad material, a neat product. Um, we couldn't find anyone in San Antonio. As big as San Antonio is, nobody knew what it was. Nobody's ever used it. We had to bring in a, a stucco applicator from Houston, put them up in a hotel and pay triple the cost just to find someone that could uh, apply this a few years ago, but that could apply this uh, rain screen product that was specified by the, uh, by the engineer. Uh, I was just dumbfounded that we didn't have anybody that couldn't roll Brillo pad around something and, and, uh, and apply it. Um, but again, that's what you deal with, with your workforces. So the, the breakdown, uh, most of the time, most products are going to work reasonably well with a few exceptions, but trying to find someone that can even put them on is, is a real problem. The competitor, um, zip, you're, I don't know, depending on where you're at, we're using a ton of zip around here now. Um, it's their weather resistant barrier. It's their, um, uh, their wind bracing, uh, the whole nine yards, uh, you know, good product. A uh, lot of application of the lick and stick tapes that you have to really watch. The guys don't roll them, want to roll them on, they crinkle them up. So have to really watch those. No different with Tyvek with the, with the seams and so forth uh, being an issue. Both products, or I don't want to say both products, but any product out there, the real issue that you run into is um, Tyvek wants a two inch overlap. They'll accept, I think, a one inch overlap, but they'll leave the Tyvek sticking down here and then they turn around and cut it off flush all the way around. Uh, so now we don't have an overhang. Same thing happens here with uh, the zip. Now, with the zip product, you're 
weep screen is going to go on over here. It's going to be flashed. And so you're going to get your overhang, but you have to really watch it and they have to flash that right. It's critical to flash that right. If we have a little crinkle in there, the water is going to run down the wall, find that crinkle and make it up underneath the toe plate. Um, so it, it's something that you have to really watch these, these moisture barriers and how they overhang. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have a lot of issues with water tracking up underneath that wall. It'll start to swell products. As it does, you're going to get all that crackling uh, along the bottom, all that cracking occurs and what have you. Um, this is just a complete, uh, for any of the military people, FUBAR, this particular builder, I'm not going to tell you their name, but they've got three to 400 lawsuits coming their way right now over their stucco. Um, their own expert out of Dallas said, come on guys, for two to $300, I could show you how to prevent all this from happening. The CEO of the company says, I build 7,000 houses a year, like meaning, are you crazy? I'm not doing that. Uh, we'll just roll the dice. So hopefully we can bankrupt them in court because they deserve to be bankrupted. Um, you'll see these plumbers, electricians, they cut a hole in the weep screen. Um, we have moisture barriers not overhanging the weep screen properly where you've got fasteners not being covered so that water can track back up underneath there. This particular um, weep screen is not overhanging far enough. They shot it with staples if you blow it up. Um, so this thing is only overhanging about a half inch. This, along with a lot of the builders, uh, Meritage is one, Bella Vista, a lot of them, they are not flashing. I don't care what the product is, they are not flashing this through the moisture barrier. They're only coming in and caulking on the backside to the sheathing, which is just never going to work. The sheathing is going to swell up. I don't care if it's hardy siding. I don't care what the product is, will not work. And then, of course, we don't have any type of sleeve. We're going to have a masonry penetration. It's got to be sleeve. But there is no flashing at this penetration whatsoever and so those are all this is why even though you reach up underneath there and you got a weep screen you go oh good it's got a weep screen it doesn't matter it's not going to work it's got holes in it it's unflashed um you're going to have leakage it, it may take a little bit longer but you're going to have leakage this is a big issue these columns all over the place and the same thing happens too with brick and stone over time there's no pedestal here this framing even though it's pressure treated, the sheathing's not, but the framing's pressure treated. Pressure treated wood does not last that long when it gets wet all the time. There's no raised pedestal here. So we're bringing the stucco down. We're not maintaining the, the two inches. Even if it was brick or stone, we still got the problem. There'd be brick flashing there. The water gets up underneath there. It stays damp for a long period of time. I can't tell you how many houses I've done where the columns are collapsing because they're rotted out at the base. But of course, the builder says, oh, that's pressure treated. That pressure treated wood, when it stays wet like that, won't last six months to a year before it starts getting soft. Um, it should have a raised pedestal on here. Um, a couple of builders I'm working with, it's too hard for their concrete guys to get that framed out and hit the pedestals right. So they're coming back, drilling in, epoxying rebar, dowel pins, pouring a four-inch high pedestal that's in here, and then we're bringing that column down, and we can put our weave screed on, and we're preventing the water from getting in there. So we're adding the, the pedestal blocking uh, after the fact. There is another way to come back and fix it once it's too late. Um, there's a, an engineer named Dean from MLAW, who I'm not a big fan of, but I sure like Dean. Dean is a, a good guy, really sharp, and he's got a method where you cut you take a piece of metal flashing comes down over and then there's a reglet cut all the way around these columns uh, and then um, you put a bead of uh, NP1 in that groove and behind that groove and when you put that down and secure it 
that's completely sealed and no water can get up underneath there. And of course it's open on this side to drain out uh, a real good way. We're using his method right now on a, on a house. You're going to see some of the pictures here. That's just completely rotted out almost collapsed after eight years. And uh, that was his solution for it. And I, I agree and I like it and I've plagiarized it. Um, again, this is why we're going to fail. We shot holes in there. That's not covered. The moisture barrier is too short, but on top of that, where's the Tyvek? The Tyvek is behind your weep screed here, okay? Your window flashings, your, your sill or your pan flashings are behind this. So we are literally forcing water down here and it's going up underneath the toe plate in this house, okay? Missing bond breaks. Um, they didn't cut out. Uh, whenever you add your expansion joints or your control joints, they cannot, the lath cannot be continuous behind them. You've got to cut that out so that we have basically three pieces, one piece, two pieces, three pieces, uh, and it could be a four-piece detail if it's a true expansion joint. Again, this is going to do nothing but fail. I like those still flashings. I want the guys that I work with, you can see the glue line. I tell them pop the glue loose. I want the still flashings over the top of this. Um, we want to keep as much water on top of the surfaces of the moisture barriers as possible to alleviate it. I know that's not what the code says, but in my opinion, the engineer came up with that. It's completely wrong with the code. Either way is acceptable. I've got some builders that just refuse are going to follow the code. Hey, not not a problem. But if, if I'm writing the repair specs, I want it up on top. Uh, any repair specs I write, you will not put the, the still flashings between the layers of moisture barrier. Uh, they say it's because the stucco can stick to it, but that crinkled up plastic um, Still flashings that we use around here from uh, FortiFlash, it's not going to stick to it. It's not going to cause any problems uh, whatsoever with it. Okay. Uh, again, there's a company up in Austin that will do it like this, but they actually put an apron of uh, felt paper underneath there. And uh, so it works really well. And I like that idea too. And that's another solution if you want to terminate the, the sill flashings between there. Again, you can see the sheathing, you can see the Tyvek. They're not flashing this. This isn't going to be flashed. They are going to strictly caulk this. Same builder again, lots and lots of lawsuits. Their stucco's leaking everywhere, all across the country. Um, you can't stop the leakage from this. And of course, doing your inspection, you don't see this. These are these are the hidden liabilities. And so you obviously want some disclaimers in there on a stucco house. Um, but there is a ton of these houses being done. This is not the same house. These are houses that I actually, the, the builder testified that they changed their, their process and they no longer do this. Um, I left the, uh, the mediation. I told the attorney, I'll call you shortly. I went straight over to another neighborhood that builder was building in. And these are the photos. And I said, well, evidently they must be talking about change because they haven't changed yet. Um, they're still doing the exact same thing. And there's lots of these builders doing this. Um, there's no way you're going to stop the water with this with just caulk, um, especially when there's a window or other feature up above here, two stories, cracks, anything like that's going to get in there. It's going to get to this. It's going to start swelling that sheathing. It's going to cause all kinds of cracking. Um, again, you can see here, I mean, just everything about this, we're, we're short with our lath paper. Our weep screed is on top of our, um, our moisture barrier um, that's behind there. We've shot it full of, of holes. This is not a true weep screed. It's just a casing bead. You can't stop the water with anything like this. The water's going to get in behind here. You don't have a three and a half inch flashing detail. I mean, just every, you still see this all the time. This is just not gonna work. There's gonna do nothing but leak. Water's gonna get underneath there. Some houses will go a year and have a problem. Some houses make it 30 years. You, you can't predict 
how or when, but it's going to create all kinds of problems. The other thing you run into doesn't happen very often down here. It does up in the Dallas area uh, or other areas of the country is these types of details will ice dam. They'll hold water in the bottom of that. They'll ice dam and you'll see these houses, you know, down in my area about once every 10 years, we had a major freeze and rain here. It will ice dam up in here and it would just crackle all along the bottom edge of the stucco. That's what, one of the things that causes that. That or the sheathing's expanding and pushing out and it's crackling here. Um, but this is, this is just, these little details typically are about three quarters high, three quarters wide with a three eighths inch turn up. Um, again, some of the same problems. In this case, the weep screen, as you look down here, is on top of both layers of moisture barrier. Not going to work. Missing expansion joints, missing bond breaks, um, still flashing back behind there. So we're going to completely miss this. And because they cut the, the moisture barrier off short, um, whether this is a zip, whether this is Tyvek, the water is going underneath the toe plate and it's 100% going to leak up underneath there. I, I, I really want that moisture barrier longer, um, but that's uh, everything about this just going to fail again. Water's going underneath there. This house will rot out in a few years' time. Uh, Jim says, how many stucco applications actually use a drainage mat? I have... Here in my area, the only one I've ever seen it on has been the um, the FAA control tower. That was all dictated by the, the feds, the state, and everything. Down here, they are not um, using it. Other parts, I, I, they are using it some over in the Houston area. Um, but if you find it, it's mostly going to be on commercial because, you know, builders want to save a few bucks. They don't want to, they don't want to have to spend a few more dollars. So the answer is going to be very minimal. All right. Uh, another question Gary Baldridge asked, is the contract good for multiple homes? Um, you know what? It really could be. Um, if you have plan A, plan B, plan C, you know, it, that you're building, um, there's no reason why it, it would not be. I mean, it, it would work just fine because it's going to stipulate all these different bond breaks, head flashings, what have you. Okay. Another one says, does lick and stick require bond breaks left and right of windows? Lick and stick require bond breaks left and right. Oh, the the um, the stone the culture. Yeah. yeah, the 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 lick and stick uh, stone <clears throat> brick. Okay, yeah, I, I mean again, it it's stucco. Um, the application for that is the same. Uh, the manufacturer might supersede something based on the product you're, that you're using, but you know those lick and stick. Um, details are, are no more than stucco. Okay. Uh, someone's asking if you share your stucco comments from your reports. Oh, I don't have a problem. If you send me an email, I don't, I don't have a problem. I have to put it together because I, like I said, I don't have a, a blanket. I list each individual item in my report. I don't write a paragraph to include six different comments. So um, I'd have to put all that together, but yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Okay, how do you handle when the weep screen is above the bottom of the seal plate so that the seal plate is visible? I see that all the time. Um, it's got, it's gonna leak. I tell my client it's going to leak uh, and it will, 100% of the time it will leak. 
Um, they either listen to you or they don't, but that's no different than telling them that, that they've got something wrong with the electrical. Some people listen and some don't. Your job is to report it. What they do with it is, is up to them. You know, it, it's that old adage, you can lead that horse to water, but you can't beat them to death and make them drink it. All right, good comments. Uh, Jeff, could you provide us with some suggested disclaimers? Maybe post them on the Tapria Facebook page so we can find them and copy them for our use. I would have to put some together. Believe it or not, I don't hardly have any disclaimers for stucco because I go through there and list every single thing. Um, I really don't have, um, I'm gonna have to look. If I have a disclaimer, it's gonna be like one. I don't have disclaimers for, for stucco like I do other stuff um, just because of the level of inspection that I do. All right. Uh, so let's see, how do you add flashing to an existing natural stone veneer when adding an awning over an exterior door? How do you add flashing over a door when you're adding an awning with stone veneer? Um, a, a lot of the stuff, and this is why I don't have any liability, my insurance company liked to have flipped their lid when they found out I was writing repair protocols for engineers um, and threatened to drop me. Um, the, but there's no real liability when you tell somebody what it's going to take to do it right, and that is remove the stone. Take the stone down and do it right. Now, is, is anyone going to do that? Probably not. Um, but again, as all of y'all know, when we go out and do these inspections, we find what happens when somebody doesn't do something right. It, it causes these houses to rot out, fill the mold. Um, anything that I do repair protocol-wise on anything is to to disassemble it. We're going to take it apart so that if I need to put flashing in the wall, we're going to have to remove veneer. We're not just going to come up there and butter it with caulk and stick it to it and go, man, I hope that works. I thought caulking fixed anything, that and duct tape. It, it does. Well, it's got to be Gorilla duct tape. If you use a Gorilla <laughs> brand duct tape. It, it... <laughs> All right. Someone said, what do you mean by flashing a pipe penetration in a wall? So any type of wire, pipe, anything like that, and here's a real hard one to do, and they make, and I might have it in here, I might not, they make a, a flashing boot for that. There's a, there's a couple companies out there that make a, um, a, a plastic flange with a, uh, the way I explain it is a diaphragm. It's a rubber diaphragm. And so if you've got a one inch pipe, that rubber diaphragm is about three quarters of an inch and you put that on there, um and push it on and it stretches over that and then you tape three sides of it and i might have those pictures in here i, I made some changes here recently um but you can cut your forta flash or what have you or zip tape you can cut it but most people are not going to do it but you've got to flash any penetration through that moisture barrier the outlets are the toughest ones um, but they do now make a specific flashing detail for flashing the outlets for that. That works the same way. It's got a rubberized diaphragm that goes around that and you tape three sides leaving the bottom open um, to keep that water out. And that is a huge, huge breakdown and leak issues. When you start cutting these houses open, the water's getting in through any penetration, whether it's a door, window, uh, a hose bib, uh, electrical outlets are notorious for leaking if they're on the, you know, not up underneath the porch or what have you. And so that's that's a, a big, big problem with stucco or any product for that matter. I mean, you've got James Hardy leaks at those areas too when you start looking at it. All right, good. Says so another question, do you have actual photos of what you expect to see for correct flashing installations? 
I had those drawings uh, in there. Um, it's no, uh, I do have some like CAD drawings from engineers that we we looked at some of the flashings from uh, that one particular company. Um, we'll have to look. I don't think I have any here. I, I, what I mostly have here is all the things that are wrong and why it's going to leak. You won't be able to see whether the flashings are done properly with the exception of the weep screen. And I'll show you how to look for a proper weep screen that you can usually identify somewhere on the house. Okay. Uh, another question is a separation required between stucco and stone materials. Yes. Yes, any dissimilar material has got to have a uh, bond break um, to allow for thermal expansion contraction. This three-quarter inch thick stucco is going to expand and, and contract differently than a larger, say, a three-eight, a three-inch by eight-inch brick, or even uh, a a, a four-inch by eight-inch piece of cut limestone. And so we've got to control that. So any dissimilar materials requires, and the ASTM requires a uh, a bond break. Yeah, yeah, we see that a lot in this area with a stone's butt up to the brick or stucco. Just, right. Just a mortar and, in between them. And the stucco drains behind there. Now, normally, if it's just a small thing, it, it doesn't always leak. But uh, um, again, you've got all those holes from brick ties, uh, everything. Brick is designed to have the moisture drain an inch away that one inch airspace, that stucco, any moisture gets in there, you're forcing that moisture all the way down the moisture barrier and trying to get out through the brick flashing at the weep holes. Um, just a horrible idea. Uh, it, it always finds a tear. It always finds one of those water pipes that's not flashed. It, it finds its way in, you know? Okay. Uh, so someone says clarification. Should a casing bead not be used where a stucco wall terminates above a roof surface? Yes, should not be used. It requires a three and a half inch flashing detail. Uh, it traps moisture, depending on where you're at, creates ice damming issues. Um, so yes, a casing bead should not be used. Now they do make a casing bead with a three and a half inch flashing detail. Um, I guess theoretically, if you could find that, I've only ever seen it once, if you could find that, you could use that. I would not recommend it just because of the ice damming issues. It'll hold moisture in that casing bead and create ice damming. Okay. Uh, someone's asking if you'll change the color of your mouse pointer during a break. It seems like it's uh, hard to see what you're pointing at. I can try that. We can give it a shot. White doesn't work, yeah. I also want to say to everybody, this, this presentation will be posted on YouTube for the InterNACHI YouTube channel and on the InterNACHI's uh, webinar list, so on the actual InterNACHI website itself. So you can go in and review this as many times you'd like. Okay, so in this photo, you can see a lot of things. One, there's no bond break up here. I don't sweat that as much up here, but, um, you know, theoretically, if, if you're doing design from the ground up or what have you. This is required to have a bond break between these dissimilar materials. Bond break here, missing head flashings, um, a lack of expansion joints. So again, you know, expansion joints uh, doesn't necessarily say you have to do it at every penetration, but then again, there is a uh, technical bulletin that basically says that, that it should have an expansion joint at, uh, at at each penetration. And, and again, I use the word expansion joint loosely. Um, it could be a control joint or expansion joint, but ideally we're trying to help alleviate um, some of the cracking. We want it to expand and, and contract, what have you. 
Now, this is what I start looking for. So here's the spot here. Um, you can see your toe plate right here. You can see the, the pressure treated. You can see that they shot this full of holes way down too low. This whole assembly here is only overhanging the foundation a half inch, okay? This here is your, um, your house wrap. This particular one, just some green plastic material. I don't know who made this or anything. So you can see that our weep screed is on wrong. So that moisture coming down in here around these corners stuff can get to the sheathing, okay? Um, so you know, when you start looking at this that you've got a weep screed problem, okay? It's, this is just not going to, to work any uh, long-term effect and, and not to mention none of the holes are properly covered where they shot this thing full of staples. Okay, so these are things I look at these corners. I look for some place to to show that yeah, it's got a weep screed, but it's installed with the fasteners too low into the weep screed. The weep screed doesn't overhang the the uh, foundation line properly, and and it's not in a shingle fashion with the weep screed being installed first, and then your your weather resistant barriers on top of it. Another way to to do this as well, looking up through these weep holes. Okay. You can find some areas, again, we're not properly overhanging here. Um, this does, you can't see very well from this, but actually, again, the uh, screed is on top of the, uh, I think this one had Tyvek if I remember, but it was on top of it. Um, this edge here, you can see is open. This is what you have to watch for. If this edge gets closed off, this is your drip edge for your weep screed, okay? Moisture will not be able to get out of there like it should, okay? Um, these holes are great places to find things. Again, this is in violation of so many things here, but one, you know, under 703.4, somewhere in there, um, you've got a wood detail projection that has to be flashed. Um, they've used the stucco decorative bands with um, casing beads. And as they've done that and made this rectangular box out to to receive the stucco, they've just blown more holes through the, the any type of, uh, of flashing details around here. This one is not as big of a deal, but when they do it at windows, it's a huge issue because they're just punching holes even, and I've got uh, some pictures that have come up here in a little bit. They actually blew holes through the, uh, the metal head flashing. So the builder had metal head flashing, but he, the stucco guy did all of the decorative bands wrong and just blew holes all through it, causing it to, uh, to, to leak, okay? Uh, again, now this is up underneath the eaves, so it's not as big of a deal, but it does specifically say in the ASTM standards, uh, unlike the architect thought, um, this is required to slope to shed water and in his eyes to prevent birds from landing on it. Um, these, these types of details leak all the time. This is what those holes are for. Now this one went pretty extreme, but um, that can be broken off, but those holes in there create a stalactite that lock that stucco in. They're really not designed to, to allow the water out. And here is, again, your drainage plane, and you have to make sure that you've got this little crack and crevice along here. This is where water is going to drip and leak out of, okay? This, I just actually just came across this picture here the other day on a job, and this kind of shows you how that's supposed to be locking that in. Not all weave screens even have those, those holes. Some do, some don't. Here is a new house. Um, they called me out. The client did not listen very well. Um, they ended up going with a different expert after they drug me into this 
this thing. I found a little bit of water staining there. The whole front of this house is completely rotted out. The builder only wants to fix this front part. This house here is only, God, it's somewhere between one and three years old. I think this is a one-year-old house, if I remember right. Um, I've got so many of them going right now. I think this one was is one years old. You can see how rotted it is in here with the destructive testing. It's a it's a new house. It's a million dollar house. Again, you can see the rot running all the way up and down these walls. Um, this whole front of the sink supporting the roof up here um, is is stri becoming structurally unsound. Okay. Um, Again, the builder only wants to do this. As they tear this open, it's a major problem. They've torn all the most moisture barrier back here. They want, they just create another leak issue. They're just gonna take some flashing tape. I see them do it all the time. They're gonna put some peeling stick right here, only three quarters of an inch wide under the brick and it's stucco over, it's gonna leak. Now, once they've torn this up to this degree, this stone has to come off of here, okay? All this, the stone has to come off here so that we can get our two inches overlap on our moisture barrier. You can see this is all rotted into the walls, past the sheathing, into the studs. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, here it is. Yeah, so it's a three-year-old house. Okay, this one's three years old. And it's all completely rotted out and structurally unsound at the, the front of this house. So looking at this, you can see all of this is, is just completely gone. The studs are starting to rot here, holding a lot of weight. Um, this was my indication that this was rotted and leaking. You can't see it very, here, very well in this photo. Um, but you can see some little faint brown staining. That's how I knew this was going to be all rotted out. Um, you start finding, I might have a better picture of it. Yeah, uh, this is a different house. But again, you can look at this. Now, the engineer says that I can't prove that this is rotted because I didn't do destructive testing. I don't need to do destructive testing. This is 100%, stake my life on it, rotted out. They've now opened it up and it is rotted. But you, I, I mean, you can see this is all the rot and decay from the sheathing and studs and it is washing that that brown rot and decay out of there. Um, there's there's whole neighborhoods like this on, on this. This is that one where the builders got three to 400 lawsuits coming their way. I only got two, I'd like to collect, get a few more of them, but um, all completely rotted out. Uh, this one's a no brainer, very easy to see if you're doing a home inspection. They're not always that easy to see. Again, another issue, you can see all the cracking here. We did not create a drainage plane um, and treat this like a soffit. We wrapped the stucco, the water's gotten in here. You can see the water's leaking out here. Um, believe it or not, the inspector missed all this. This is one that the inspector's going to get sued on. He completely missed all this stuff. He just said it had some cracking. You can see plain as day all the water. None of the stucco was done right, and this water's wrapping around and then coming out here running down the, the wall. Um, same thing, getting water in around uh, windows, okay? You can see the water stains down along here. Um, where this has been leaking along the edges of the window. This one's a doozy. You can see the staining here. Um, then we've got these big wood details. This is all stained and, and it's becoming all damaged. Uh, no flashing details. They're basically made like an old fashioned wood type of lintel. Um, there's nothing that prevents this water from leaking in there whatsoever. And again, you start seeing this staining. This staining is an indication you've got moisture between there. Um, on a rare occasion, it's not. You know, there might be some algae or something from a tree. But usually when you see the staining, you can almost bet that you're going to have water damage inside the wall. Again, more water stains. You can see all the discoloration. Um, 
no brainer. This is also another one that the inspector did not write up. Um, you can see where the water's leaking out here uh, around the, the window. You, there's also some water stains along this edge here where water is coming out of a crack. Um, a lot of a lot of inspectors are missing these these items. Um, again, water stains. This was another one that was missed. This is a deck secured to the house, and you can see the water stains coming out of there. They just literally screwed this deck to the side of the house. Um, this is the same house. You come inside. This is the deck. The inspector didn't catch any of this. Of course, this is all rotted out inside the house. The door frames all rotted out. Um, this door frame is just to the left of this water stain and down below. So, you know, those are the types of things. I mean, that you can see, and this is very obvious. Um, some of the stuff is not as obvious and you want to get very good at it. I, I've got an inspector that refers me on all this stucco stuff when the Spurs players were selling his house and he knew there was some issues with the stucco and I went in there and found water stains in 13 areas that he didn't find. And he said, what the hell? And this is a good inspector. He said, I didn't find any of that. And so I got on my belly and put my flashlight in my teeth and I slowly crawled it like I was in a war zone and just stared and stared and stared till I could see that because it had been repainted. And finally, you, your eyes could start focusing on this little bit of water. And then, of course, most houses, if you look real close, they have, quote, loose carpeting. And the loose carpeting is a great way to find uh, water stains on the tax strips. Um, I had one where the agent um, said that it was not leaking, I was crazy, and I pulled the carpet back and all the tax strips were brown. Um, the carpet obviously had been shampooed and cleaned because as wet as that was, uh, or as discolored as it was, it would have had a, a major uh, staining of the carpet. There's no way you couldn't have seen it. This one here has been an ongoing issue. This is caulk that they put in here one time. So this is not from just a couple of leaks and how the inspector misses, I have no idea. This one is a doozy. Um, took the stucco down below grade, which they do all the time. Major problem, foundation expands contracts one way, the, the walls and stucco does another way. Um, that thing was opened up um, around an inch and a half uh, there. Uh, just a complete mess. And you can see that they'd been ongoing patching it for years. This one, I don't even know why the client even had me go inspect it. Um, I mean, just everything you can see about this. This was a house on the west side of San Antonio that it has old uh, masonite or warehouser recalled siding under it. And this was their solution to stucco over it many years ago. And uh, it was just a complete and utter disaster. The realtor was furious on this one. It was a realtor who used to use me on occasion. Um, and I have never heard from them since this house and they're still selling real estate. Um, they were just furious about this. They were gonna sell this house come hell or high water, um, water stains everywhere inside. Um, but literally this was all put over the top of rotted out masonite siding. This here, you can see the masonite siding here. You can see where they stopped part of this. Um, again, it was the inspector's fault that she didn't get to sell on the house. Um, I, I don't even know what the people were thinking, to be honest with you, but it's uh, a no-brainer here. I mean, you can see that everything about this is just completely shot. This is the same house. Um, this here is, they cut out and 
put some plywood in here. I think it was already rotted, but you can see the, the masonite siding here, but this is what they put over the top of this house. Uh, and um, like I said, just completely rotted out and um, the realtor was perfectly fine with trying to sell this to somebody and not wanting the information there. I actually did the inspection on this um, and then stopped. I told him I couldn't inspect this. I, I was not doing a stucco inspection on this, but I told him I, I couldn't even inspect it. It was the house was just um, just completely shot. It was a complete rehab, tear everything off, tear the sheetrock off, fix all the framing issues, mold uh, the whole nine yards and completely reconstruct the house. house where it was at it was probably not worth more than about $25,000 at that time. This is a house that came up. I got a call. Um, this is not quite 100 yards, but I saw this house 100 yards away. Uh, this is one that was in the Dallas Morning News. The, the gentleman lost this. Um, at that time, I um, was a, had been an arbitrator hearing construction defect cases in Texas. And he called me out there. This is in Alpine. This is at the base of uh, north of Alpine, south of Fort Davis, down the base of the, the Davis Mountains. Beautiful piece of property. And um, he lost a binding arbitration. He paid 30,000 to the arbitrator. They brought in a judge from New Mexico that did it. And he lost $84,000 that the builder claimed the damages in arbitration. So we, he called me out there one, one about fixing the house and could I help him with the losses uh, because the builder was trying to go after a ranch that he had out there and trying to uh, take the ranch with a, uh, a court order. And uh, this is the one I saw him. I said, sir, I don't condone breaking the law, but the only thing that's gonna fix this house is gasoline and a match. Um, you can see it's just completely cracked all around here. The balcony uh, is is leaking. The mold inside this house um, was uh, so bad that they told him it was unhealthy to live in this house and he was staying there for some reason. Um, cool looking house, but you know, whenever they do these, um, these types of structures with the uh, um, with the logs sticking out, and what have you, you have uh, areas where the moisture just all going to get in at all of these things. Just it's it's a horrible way to do something. It's going to get in there, but no flashing, no expansion joints. This one is actually done with chicken wire. Um, you can see this is bulging because the the chicken wire is can't hold the weight of this. Again, no expansion joints, but no drainage plane. They'd been trying to patch these cracks and stuff the builder did, um, and that was his solution for the stucco. Um, stucco goes all down below grade. You can see moisture just getting around this, more repairs to the, the cracking. Uh, I mean, up along here that had the cracks not sealed. Um, this is inside, they, you can see, or I mean, I'm sorry, this is it around the back. They cut it open, you can see moisture is getting to this. Um, this picture doesn't do it justice, but the moisture is getting into here. You can see the thin chicken wire. This chicken wire cannot hold the weight of all that stucco. They actually put the stucco on very thick and it was closer to an inch uh, in thickness and it could not hold it, but the water was getting in there. The header down below this is rotted out. The only thing that was preventing the house from collapsing was the door. You could not open the door up. Uh, at the back, that door was holding that and it, the house had dropped about a half inch back there already. Um, again, you know, they, they took this off. They, uh, they had put trim over the top of this. You could see where the um, guy had tore it open. 
Um, no flashing details. I mean, you can't stop the water here. This just had a decorative trim around here. You can't stop the water from getting in or in this house whatsoever. Um, they did put a casing bead here like they were going to do it, but you can see there's no bond break there. I mean, there's a bond break, but not, not enough to allow expansion to contraction. There, there's nothing there. They, they, when you do see them use a J channel for that, they don't leave enough uh, room to allow for thermal expansion. Um, this here in the picture, this is back when we used the old Sony Mavica cameras with, with the three and a half inch floppy. So sorry about that. But this is the header. This is all rotted out. This here is a trim. This is a kitchen door. This header is completely rotted out. About oh, well, you can see where the sheetrock is. You can see how the depth of this. The whole header is gone here, rotted. And this is this door is holding up over here and here because the whole thing is is sinking and coming down on this house. Um, another one again. You can see. Oh, this is that million dollar house. So these pictures actually. I need to correct the order. This should have been the other. So this here is what I I saw. So I knew that this was rotted out on these corners. Okay, there was two corners like that, and so I knew this house was completely rotted out. You'll see some clear stains like this. This here is showing you water's getting in there. It's this is just starting to rot, but. You'll see sometimes on a house clear stains. That's water getting in there. It probably won't be water damage yet, but boy, you better report it. That water's leaking out from behind the weep screen. It's leaking out of the wall, and uh, you're going to have problems with it. You can see it's starting to turn brown, so this is already starting to rot. Uh, and then when you open it up, it's always, not always, but almost always guaranteed to be 100 times worse than what you thought it was when once you cut it open. Uh, again, water staining on houses that you're looking for, uh, you know you're going to have problems. Again, uh, this particular house, I should have pictures of it. This is what I saw. We, we, I tried to help the people, couldn't do it. Finally had to get an attorney involved, got it done. Um, and uh, the builder said, okay, we'll open it up. But if it's not all damaged, you agree to pay five to $8,000 per opening to, to put it back, the stucco. And so the attorney called and the attorney knows me real well. And he goes, are you sure? I said, I'm hundred percent sure. And I said, cut it open. And when they did, my client started crying and she said, did you really know it was that bad? I said, sure I did. This is the one that I described to you that this was the only indication that the whole wall was rotted out. Literally the house was about to collapse when we got into it. Um, there was no water stains inside. This was the only indication that there was a stucco problem that was rotted out. This is, this is it. So these are the things you have to really look for. And I see people say, oh, there's a little bit of discoloration. Well, yeah, there's discoloration because it's rotted, report it. Um, again, um, houses, discoloration, rotted. This one is a house next door that I'm also doing. Um, so you can see that again, same thing. The builder only wants to pay. Uh, these are the two different houses, but they're next door to each other. The builder only wants to pay um, to do the one wall on this house and not the whole house. Um, again, you know, not having proper drainage planes. Now this one here, um, the this is where they come up with doing the reglet and doing that. That weep screed comes right down to the the slab, so the stucco's off there about three eighths of an inch off the slab. But again, no pedestal, no wave. Uh, this traps water up on the porch columns and what have you. Um, this is another house, the builder. Actually, I'd sued this builder or part of suing this builder for uh, a million dollars that we won. Well, he learned valuable lesson and he's getting ready to do a, a remodel on a million dollar house. The home inspector wrote none of this up. There was no carpet in this closet. It was always left for all flooring. One, 1.3, 1.5 million. 
um, they, the builder convinced the people they got to call me out there. They've only been in this house um, one one month. They found it to be leaking. After they moved in, there was a bucket of damp red in this closet. You can see the staining. There's nothing here that prevents you from seeing it. And again, the home inspector wrote up nothing. This was not the only place. You could say, well, maybe something was blocking it. I found water staining like this inside the house in numerous places. Um, again, you can see the water staining coming out. Um, you can see this, this picture's turned sideways. This was actually for one of my employees down at the coast. So he knew the risk and I'll show you what it looks like. Um, but this is the water that's leaking out of that wall. And this is what it looks like up underneath there. All the sheathing's completely rotted out, no weave screed. Um, the water's leaking in from up above um, and running down. So he's gonna have to redo all that stuff on there. This particular builder is one of the same builders I keep talking about with all the lawsuits. This is what they're doing. Um, they're doing it with fiber cement siding. They're sliding the window in and they're trying to tape it to this and stuccoing over it or putting the, uh, the hardy trim over it with no real flashing. Um, this is how they plan on doing this. They'll pull the lath back, but they'll just stick the window to it. And, and then they claim it's a self-flashing self window. Um, it, uh, it's no way you can prevent that from leaking and they only want to warranty it for one year. And when we start inspecting this, Jim, my good buddy, Jim Heim, will tell you the home inspectors are in the insurance business. We have to insure the builder. We have to insure our client. We have to insure the, the seller. And there's a lot of truth in that. Um, you don't know that they did this um, like this and you do a new home inspection. It, it's worth driving around the neighborhood and looking to see what they're doing when you're doing these new homes. And, and if you do that, you'll see what's going on here and you can't confirm it. But I make a note and said that other homes in the area are being done wrong and you recommend destructive testing to see if this house was done wrong. Um, Otherwise you get bit by it um, somewhere down the line and your insurance company will always throw you under the bus. And I do a lot of defense work. If they can get out something for $25,000, that's $150,000 to repair, you're gonna pay and your rates are going up and that's just the way it is. Again, this is their solution of flashing. Um, this particular one has zip product, no flashing. Um, this is how they're gonna try to prevent that from leaking. Same builder again. Um, I might even tell you who it is, just so you'll know. I'll tell you who it is because y'all need to watch this really to protect y'all. This is this is Meritage Homes, and this is the way they do everything from their their fiber cement siding to their stucco, and they have whole neighborhoods just completely falling apart um, and rotting out. And you will never see this once the stucco's on, but you need to be prepared. And it's like this all over with their homes, not just in the San Antonio market. Um, you can see here how we're, we're bringing down the, uh, the flashing. We're going to be, uh, we're missing our, our weep screed here. They're just going to butter this up and probably bring the flashing all the way down to the roof more than likely here. Um, this is not going to work. We have uh, base flashing or the, the J flashing. Um, you can see holes here in the, the next layer of moisture barrier. Um, it's not going to be keeping all that water out of there. Um, I know everyone wants to see counter flashing, but you've got Tamlin and other companies that do not specifically require that. So um, they can get away with doing this. But again, you're going to have problems with this type of, of installation. Um, more issues. Um, 
again, you know, this is at a garage. You can see how the framing is all done, done wrong here. I, I don't know what they're going to do. They'll probably just smear some concrete over this, try to prevent this from leaking, but none of this is really um, conducted right. This should have all been repaired before the uh, weave screen went on here where they busted it out or didn't pour it right so that we had a, a proper uh, deal. More, this is uh, one of those same houses we mentioned before, starts with an M. Um, this is what this house looked like when we cut it open, just from the water standing down below here. So I knew it was gonna be rotted out, no staining whatsoever inside, no swelling. This was so rotted that it almost collapsed. They started cutting this out and didn't build any type of, of support wall on the inside. My client started screaming when they when the whole second story started coming down. They had to run in there and wedge two by fours underneath it. So the stupidity runs way deeper than just a stucco on the on this particular deal. They've been working on this house now for nine months. Uh, it's pretty pathetic. They've had to rebuild a big part of the house. And again, it's only a, a, a eight-year-old uh, eight-year-old house. Some of the damage below the windows, but then when you open it up, you can see how damaged some of the studs were. Um, the, although this doesn't look that bad, it, it's a lot worse. Once you start opening it up, you can see more rot. Again, you can see the water stains, so it is evident. You can see that this has been leaking. You just have to look for it. This is where the first breakdown. This is all completely rotted here. So the flashing between their James Hardy was wrong. The window flashing was wrong. The sill flashing was wrong. The weep screen was wrong. The penetrations were not flashed. So this is this all started leaking here and we just added more and more water as the water came down from this house. This house now is up to about $200,000 to repair on an eight-year-old house. And um, keep in mind, all this upper is James Hardy, so I don't have to do it. So it's not like it's that, it's, yes, it's four-side stucco, but none of the upper is. Again, more rot, just all completely rotted out in through here. Um, the builder tried to say it wasn't that bad and I went up on the ladder, I might have a picture of it, and I just pushed my finger through the sheathing and I went into the second digit into the window header. Um, you can just literally just shove your finger through it. So again, you know, you can see the stains. There's no reason why people cannot find us. The, um, the weep screed, everything was done wrong, tracking water up underneath there and the lady was just methodical about cleaning it. You can see here's your moisture barrier. The weep screed was on over two layers of, of moisture barrier. They put it on after the fact. So there was originally um, Tyvek on here, you can see, uh, and it may not have been the Tyvek brand, but I think it was, I think that's what they were using. But they put the weep screed on both. We we're tracking water up underneath this OSB at the foundation line. This is a case in which I'm representing the builder. Um, they screwed up and I think the Tyvek reps in here so she'll recognize this picture. Um, the only place we did find, their expert found that they, um, they, the head flashings are there. The builder did all the head flashings. The builder that I sued, or not sued, but had four litigation cases against them. None of them, they took care of everything. So it never went there. It's a pretty good builder. Um, their guy put some Tyvek tape on there. Um, and it's not a, a, a true peel and stick flashing tape. So this all has to come off. That's the only place we found it, but lo and behold, it was one of the places that their expert opened up and, and there it is. So I, I'm a part of the defense team on this and on what we're gonna do to, to fix it. So they have learned about the flashing. They just few few more little things to take care of. They, um, they now use Tyvek. They used to use a, uh, 
a JIT board. This one is one of the older ones with a JIT board with a, with Tyvek over it and uh, not a big fan of it. And I've gotten them convinced to stay away from that JIT board, but it does meet code. And that is it. I could go on all day, but that should have about gave you all you need to know. Um, the, there's, there's ways to find this stuff. Slow down, look at each individual item, look for your control joints, your expansion joints, look for head flashings above every door or window, um, look for your, uh, your bond breaks, take the time to look up through those, those holes in the weep screed, find where the weep screed's not up against her, look to see if that weep screed's on there wrong, and I'm going to tell you almost every single house is wrong, so even though you see weep screed, it's still wrong, and it becomes a liability back on you, take a few minutes, and you know, it, it only takes a few minutes to, to find all of these things, um, it's not like it slows you down that much um, whatsoever, I can do a complete stucco evaluation without without doing any uh, um, destructive testing and not and without using infrared, but just going around and walking the outside and the inside of the house, good God, it only takes me about 30 minutes to do one of these things. So um, it's, it's not like it's gonna slow you down that much. On a big house, I might be there an hour, but um, take the time and look for the water. The water is almost always there if you take the time to find it. And I can't tell you how many of these things are turning into court cases because a home inspector didn't catch any of it, didn't take the time to look for it, didn't report it. And it's very, very obvious. Jeff, have you ever seen a stucco home without any issues? No, not really. One, one where the builder paid me, like I said, to sit in a lawn chair and yell at a stucco guy. Um, good builder southeast of town. Um, and it's funny because then I referred that guy to do repairs and he said, well, do you want us to fix it the way we normally do it or the way Jeff Adams says to do it? And I said, stop <laughs> telling people that. There's a right way and a wrong way. And Jeff Adams doesn't tell you how to do it. Jeff Adams just points you to the ASTM standards and that's it. So I mean, stop telling people that it's, it's right or it's wrong. Um, you will not really find a stucco house done right. Uh, occasionally in the Houston market, you might. They're a little bit better over there, but still uh, falls well short. Anything else, um, just horrible. Uh, across the state of Texas is horrible. And it's a liability. With you being the one insured, it is a major liability on you as a home inspector. Yeah, and even if you're doing commercial properties, they're still put on the same way as residential stucco is. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of breakdowns with the penetrations and stuff. You will occasionally find drainage mats on that, the, the rain screens and stuff like that on commercial properties. You'll see that there before you ever will on residential. But there is talk that they're going to make it mandated um, to do a rain screen, which is not a bad idea. But again, um, you got to find someone smart enough to put it on. Um, you know, we can't even, we can't even flash penetrations with, uh, with Tyvek or Zip. I mean, how in the hell are we going to add another process and expect that's going to help? Well, it's, it's talking about that. Someone's typed in the question, how would you flash your horizontal gas fireplace vent penetration since you cannot use a rubber pipe boot? You could flash it with metal flashing, make metal flashing. So just you put on the metal flashing and then and box around that and then once you're away from that then you you use your uh, your peeling stick once you get several inches away from that that fireplace. And someone says, do you have a diagram of an acceptable bond break between dissimilar materials? There is a, there was a drawing of that from that synergy. 
it'll be when you go back and look at this, you'll see the Synergy products. They did a good job of showing the bond breaks with the um, um, with the backer rod and stuff in there. That's why I, I use their their stuff um, because of that. They've got some very very good drawings. Uh, can you just kind of express what an inspector in the field would look at between a uh, break between brick and stone? Um, you should see some type of flashing there. You're either going to see um, when you've got your stucco, you should see a uh, flashing deal a detail come out on top of your um, your your capstone or your ledger, um, or it can come out underneath that that ledger and have weep holes underneath it. If you don't see that, it's not flashed. Okay. Now normally, what they do is they just stucco the wall, and they stucco that wall. They go down below the uh, the brick or the stone. And then they just they just take and shove that brick or stone up to it and then caulk that line. Um, you're just forcing water behind the wall. Well, yeah, the question was between brick and stone. What kind of what kind of separation would you see between the brick and stone walls? Well, you on that I, I, you're going to have that. There's ASTM standards for that. You can go to BIA.org, but um, again, you've got to have a uh, expansion joint. Um, in their three-eighths of an inch wide. Um, and they do talk about dissimilar materials. It used to be under paragraph 107 or 108, but they keep changing it. Um, but if you go to BIA.org, um, they have the, uh, the ASTM standards for that. Okay, good. Uh, says, can you detect this water penetration behind the stucco using a IR camera? Yes and no. Um, that's a good topic. I, I, I get these these people call all the time and say they're going to go with Billy Joe Bob because Billy Joe Bob uses a uh, uh, infrared on every single inspection, which anyone that knows anything or has is infrared thermography certified knows that that's physically impossible without a Delta, you're not going to get anything. So yes, I had a court case here two summers ago, the attorney hired me and he, when we got there, he demanded that I use infrared um and moisture meters it was 105 degrees it was in july uh, the drought started here two years ago and i we kind of got into it i said i'm not going to use it i'm not going to find any moisture it hasn't rained in over 30 days we've been 105 degrees i will not find water i said let me do my job i will find water stains and i'll find the culprit of what causes the water stains and it almost got to the point where i started yelling at him and he was yelling back obviously and i was ready to pack up my stuff and just drop this court case and leave he finally listened to me when I completed it. He said, thank God I listened to you. I said, sir, I can break it out right now. I said, but what's going to happen is they're going to put me on the stand. They're going to ask me, did I use any specialized tools? And I'm going to have to tell them, yes, I did. And they're going to want to know what the results were. And the results were dry. So under the right circumstances, if you have a Delta and if it has recently rained, yes, you'll find water all the time. But if you're relying on an infrared camera, um, it is a waste. You need to rely on your eyes of what you see of missing flashing details, improperly installed flashing details, because just because you don't find water today does not mean you will not find water when the weather changes and all of a sudden the front comes out of the, the, the frontal boundary comes out of the southeast from the coastal areas rather than the northwest or vice versa. So you can have a house that only leaks once a year um, and year after year doing that, it starts to rot out. So rely on rely on this information here from the code in the ASTM and don't just rely on infrared. If there's no flashings there, it will eventually leak. Might leak in year one, might leak in year 30, but it will eventually leak. And you you give someone the false sense of security with infrared. 
Okay, I agree with that statement totally. Uh, is there such a thing as a self-flashing window or is that a myth? Does not exist. And they've now changed that, taken it out of the code because it does not exist. All right, so someone said, what is self-flashing? I don't know that we have enough information to answer that one. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, there was a time where they uh, wrote in the code because some engineers submitted it and said that self-flashing windows did not have to be flashed. Um, all window manufacturers, that's actually come up in a court case, all window manufacturers all require some type of flashy detail. There is no such thing as self-flashing windows, so they had to remove that. A lot of what you see in the code is written by engineers that work for these builders, and so they are trying to simplify and dumb down things for the builders to save money, and that was one of those. That, that change years ago in the code, but there is no such thing as a self-flashing window it does not exist as, as far as I know and as far as the courts know. Yeah, we still hear that all the time from builders. Yeah, yeah I've always learned that builders will tell it, every anyone what they think they want to hear just so they keep going. Well, one of the things is that all windows have to be AMA um, compliant, okay, to make it on the market now pretty much. And so uh, the first thing when I hear that is I go, oh, is this a, uh, is this a AMA? Uh, certified window and when they say yes and I say well flash the damn thing because I'm a 2400 chapter 10 tells you that <laughs> all right uh, someone's asking do you have a checklist for inspecting stucco I do not um, I have I still use worksheets after 30 years for what I do and so it's in my worksheet a lot of the stuff but I I do not it's just um you know, it, it's pretty simple. You could easily make one, I guess, but it's it's so simple. Um, stucco contract, yes or no? Head flashings, yes or no? Weep screen at the base of the foundation, yes or no? Columns up on pedestals, yes or no? Do we have a drainage plane with beam caps or, or, or soffits? Uh, expansion joints, bond breaks. I mean, there's about 10 things, yes or no. And then I look at them to make sure that the head flashings aren't sealed at the windows. And I make sure that there's no issue with the um, the weep screen being put on over the, the Tyvek. So, you know, there's about 12 things that you could put on a, on a worksheet, but I've just, I've never done it. Okay. Let's see. So weep flashing should be installed over Tyvek and shingles over the paper at the foundation. The, the first thing that goes on is a weep screen. All moisture barriers go on over the top of weep screen. You do not put the weep screen in on top of the moisture barriers like you saw in those photos. And they do it all the time. They never come along, put the weep screen on, and then come back and do their tie back or whatever. Okay. Another one says he saw several times balconies with stucco not terminated with a weep screen at the bottom. Is it wrong? Pretty much, yes, sir. Um, it's got to have a drainage plane there. It's got to have some type of flashing drainage plane. Any termination, it says, has to have a, a, a weep screed. So that yeah, would be a termination. A lot of times um, they just put, and you can use a piece of flashing theoretically as long as it goes up the wall three and a half inches uh, and you don't seal the stucco to it like a, that one uh, engineered roof detail. That will work as long as you don't seal it. Um, the weep screed, I think, works a little bit better because it's got that 45 degree drip edge on there. Yeah, and we see that quite often in Houston area where they have a cantilever section of a building sticking out over a garage or something, three or four feet. All they do is wrap the stucco right around it, no weeps. Yeah, no drainage plane. Yeah, that, that's a great photo that you can take right out of uh, 
um, the, the uh, code check. That, that one, is, and it specifically tells you that. It's a great one right out of code check showing you how to create a drainage plane. Uh, oh, another, another comment somebody said was that uh, a lot of times we'll see a stucco home when we get there for the inspection. And we'll notice that around all the bottom of the windows, there's fresh paint. To me, that would be a red flag. What, what do you say? Oh, yeah. No, anytime that there's repairs, I make a note of it. Um, you know, the, and I, but I do the same thing with drywall and everything else, I, or brick or anything. So anytime I see repairs that are freshly done, I make a note of it in, uh, on my reports. Um, and then, you know, I always kick everything back to the seller. Our job is to go out there and find these things. And Mr. Seller is always trying to dupe us in what he's done to this house. So, uh, man, half my report says suggest consulting with the seller for details. The realtors hate it, but that's not my problem. The seller has that information. If I go out there and I see there's a bunch of toilet paper laying in the yard where they recently sewer snake the, the drain line out, I write in there that, you know, there's toilet paper in the yard and they recently sewer snaked it out. Suggest consulting with the seller for details. That seller has all that information and we need to keep these sellers on the line and stop insuring everybody like we get caught doing. We insure everybody in this business and we need to stop it. That, uh, someone said that you just listed a few things for a checklist. That would be a great slide to add to your presentation. Yeah, uh, and this uh, is always going. I've done this class a few times. I'm teaching it and alternate next week for the ICC. So anybody that needs ICC hours can also get some CEU credit and I'll I'll make some minimal changes to it here, but it's always growing, always changing as I add more to it. Um, and, you know, theoretically, you could stretch this out into a four-hour class if, if you needed to. You could add more content. There's more content you can, you can do to it. Someone's saying, what recommendations do you give when you see hairline cracking in the stucco? Repair or what's the best way? I always make a note of repairing it, but I'm not concerned with it that much. We make way too big of a deal about cracking. Um, stucco is going to crack. Um, now, if we're getting this cracking and we're lacking expansion joints or control joints, then I'm a little more concerned because it's just going to continue to get worse. Um, the, you know, so that I, I'm more worried about getting the water out of there. Water's going to get in there. Um, I had a, a deal where I was the expert on it, and, and one of your local boys or uh, DPIS was on the other, and the engineer come out, and uh, I told him part of the problem was the garage was not vented, the garage was too hot, and the attic was too hot, and they argued with me. They said, that's not what's causing the cracking in the stucco. I said, well, go do your inspection and come back and, and let me know um, uh, what you find. The only other crack in the house that was not around the garage was um, at the master bedroom wall. That was it. There was no other cracks on this big house whatsoever. And um, and so the engineer then says, you know, I think he's onto something. You will always find more cracking around a garage, especially if the garage is not vented. It's hot inside the garage. It's hot outside the garage. It's hot above the garage attic. And so you're going to get much greater amounts of thermal expansion. And so garages, you um, you're going to get a lot more cracking. Cracking is, is just, um, if all my expansion joints or control joints are there, I'm not too worried about the cracking. Just fix it occasionally and to help alleviate some of the water, but I'm not worried about as long as we got a drainage plane. All right, Jeff, great class, man. We appreciate you putting this on for us. And I know I've learned a lot of stuff from it. And I know that you have shared uh, a lot of information to us and everyone on the class is sending good comments about it. But well, we thank you for doing the class for us, Jeff. We certainly appreciate it. 
And uh, for those of you that attended, we appreciate you being on part of the uh, class sessions with us. And uh, you guys take care. We'll go ahead and end the session now. So everyone, Thanks. see you later. Thank you. Thank you.